0: Welcome to The Other Coast, a podcast detailing the Malifaux meta in Los Angeles. My name is Jeff, and with me here is another Sercal player, Colgan. Hey, everyone. Hey, Colgan. Uh, So tonight, we are going to talk about versatiles. You know, what it is, what we think of the versatile system, what we think works, what we think doesn't, and what we might like to see weird do differently in terms of kind of the philosophical role that versatiles will have in the game. Uh, so to start us off, I'll just explain really briefly. Uh, versatiles, it, uh, uh, quality models can have. And what it means is that any model, uh, or any crew can hire them without having to pay the extra uh, one soulstone tax for them not sharing a keyword with the leader. And these are models that, you know, they, they generally, they don't tend to share a theme really with any keyword, although some keyword models are versatile but a lot of them like say the emissaries or the writers are just models that really don't seem like they would necessarily fit in any specific keyword. So I guess to start us off, Colgan, what is the problem with versatile models? Like what's, what's caused us to make an episode about them? You're
1: just, are just starting right off with it. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the biggest thing that we were talking about is the fact that there isn't any additional cost. So the problem comes that if everything is costed correctly, which is what you'd expect, right? Like a five stone model, all five stone models ideally should be balanced against one another.
0: Well, I mean, that's the goal. I, like We all realize that kind of balance probably impossible, especially in an asymmetric game like Malavo. But no, I mean, I would agree that's the theory behind the costing system
1: right like we're never gonna get there but you you shouldn't see like oh this five cost model has like 10 health min 3 attacks and like armor 5 while this five cost model has like 4 hp and nothing
0: (laughs) what about a five cost model with hard to kill armor 1 and extended reach and 2 inch range would that be okay yeah
1: yeah that seems perfectly fine (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, we, we all know that's what you expect you, you want like five or six abilities in your five cost models or so they're just really not worth taking
0: <laughs> so okay so i mean before we totally just derailed your thought <laughs> um so you're saying you know if all if all models are are properly costed and in theory versatiles are you know they also are properly costed um the fact that they're not paying a tax why is that an issue
1: Right. So, I mean, one of the design goals that was stated was that they wanted to kind of get away from the super friends thing in the second edition. And they wanted to have people kind of play more thematic crews or have a reason to play more thematic crews, which is why they introduced the keyword system and introduced the out of keyword tax. So, basically, anytime you're hiring models outside of your keyword, you're paying a little bit more for the benefit of of the skills and flexibility they bring to your crew. But when you have versatile models, cost-wise, they're the exact same as models in keyword. And assuming, you know, since we're striving for balance, all these keyword models are going to be competing, or all these versatile models are going to be competing for spots against your keyword models. And then it kind of reintroduces that super friends issue. So if these versatile models are outperforming your keyword models, there's really no re- reason to start hiring keyword models because you're gaining no benefit from it and you're just making a weaker crew.
0: Right, and I mean, we'll, we'll go into this also when we talk about our, the keyword I- episode, and I think this will I think be one of the central planks in that episode as well. Uh, but a friend of mine who, who uh, has worked as a CCG developer for uh, Babylon 5 and Wheel of Time and I, I think some other games he he put it in that he said good cards, uh or sorry, great cards crowd out good cards and good cards crowd out bad cards. And and that's true also in Malevo. And I think ultimately, you know, for a long time we were shielded by the fact that the edition was new and that people were mostly just playing in keyword. But now increasingly we're seeing that people have identified kind of the the most efficient models or the the at least they've they managed to identify some models that are overtuned. And so we're starting to see a lot of crews that include these models and we're in danger of kind of falling back into a super friends range and when you have the ability to hire without any increased cost because just a one social tax is not going to fix the super friends ultimately if one model is more efficient than another and it's more efficient by you know by an amount to where that that it overcomes the the tax increase you're going to include the you know the overtuned model but versatiles, i think make it harder to To avoid falling into a super friends meta.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree. I, I think, you know, one of the things you brought up is it makes it a little harder to see it, right? Because if everyone's taking models out of keyword and paying that tax, then that's a pretty clear sign that they're under costed for what they bring. If everyone agrees that, oh, if you add one to their costs, they're still worth taking over any other model at the same cost within keyword. I feel like it's a pretty clear indication that something either the keyword is way underpowered or these models are above the curve or do way more than they should be doing for their cost.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I I, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot more I think that could be said about this subject, but it's kind of, I think it's something that we're really going to want to talk about in in our keyword episode quite a bit. So I'm going to move on now to uh, what we listed as maybe a, a second issue with some of the versatiles in our our pre-show outlined. And that was uh, that they're not as thematic. Uh, And and I think when we wrote this, we were kind of talking about the, um, like the orphan versatiles, right? Like Hinamatsu is a versatile, but she's in a keyword and she fits in the keywords that she's in thematically. But uh, you like the effigies and the writers, just the models that uh, Yasunori, right? The models that don't have a keyword native to themselves, that they just have versatile. They're not, you know, why is it a problem that they're maybe not as thematic
1: this is really i think going to be kind of more on like how you view the game in and of itself right if you kind of like the more narrative stuff the more lore driven stuff it's nice to see like a crew that has a very strong identity you know it's like when you're playing against like jackdaw you see all these guys with gallows people right like people that are being executed and stuff like that but if you start throwing in all these versatiles, like, okay, they're running around with giant pigs as well, <laughs> <laughs> like all these ghosts. So it can kind of break the immersion a little bit. I think from a gameplay perspective, it can also be a little bit difficult as well, because you know, if you're going against doll, you're expecting, you know, a lot of staggered, a lot of terrifying things like that. So you might take against that. But if they're able to like go heavily armored or like a very high speed fast damage crew it's going to completely mess with your expectations and it's going to be much harder to strategize and you could end up teching completely wrong and just being uh what's the right word for it
0: what like blindsided
1: yeah completely blindsided because like oh they're showing this master but their crew is nothing like the thematics of that keyword because they just hired in all versatiles
0: right and so then that's a problem where you know it's not down to the individual model level. It's not like, oh, we included one versatile and and that's a problem. Because in fact the ability to to shake up what an opponent expects, that's that's a good thing in Malivo. I mean I, I'm sure you would agree with that. But I the way you put it at the end, I think is the most important because part of the issue with versatiles is, is that you can bring a crew that maybe has no relation to what that master's keyword is supposed to be doing. Right? Colette is a great example. Mm. Right now Colette super friends is a very powerful list. And it, it it's kind of similar to how she played in second, although in second people usually brought Howard Langston, or at least frequently did. Uh, and now you pretty much never see that, just because they're they're better options for what she wants to do. Uh, but if you know if your opponent is declared Colette and you don't know about Colette's super friends, and you're expecting kind of to play against this sort of schemy crew, and you end up getting steamrolled by a magical cow and some <laughs> robot girl, you know, on a horse who's reactivating everything, it it's. You know, you're kind of like, well, why are people complaining about Colette's keyword? You know, she seems very strong to me. To the extent that it really kind of undermines the keyword system, that's where uh, I have really kind of this uh, not-as-thematic issue. I think another like another element of it is the fact that not all keywords have the same degree of synergy within each other, right? So you mentioned Daw. Daw's a great example. Because Daw, he, he's healing and drawing cards when his keyword models are damaging enemy models that have uh, upgrades, right? Mm-hmm. But versatile models, in- unless they're a versatile model that's part of a keyword, like Hinomatsu or something, versatile models don't have the abilities to tie them with keywords because they're just they're not part of keywords, right? And even even for the versatile models that are keyworded, if you've brought them out of keyword, they're not going to have that synergy either. And so I think it undermines that kind of keyword reliance or that keyword synergy and so, versatiles are much more accessible to keyword to masters and and that don't and, and keywords masters and keywords that don't have a high degree of reliance on their specific keyword mechanics, which is another reason why Colette Superfriends. And I mean, I hate to keep railing on this, but it's <laughs> I, I'm disappointed because I in second edition I mained Colette, uh, and I just when the keywords first came out and I saw Colette's keyword and it was kind of trying to do interesting things. And so I'm disappointed to see the best way to play her is basically, you know, the same way to play her in second edition. But the reason you can do it is because Colette as an individual model is very strong and she has absolutely no reliance on her keyword at all. So you start with a great great master and you add in 50 stones or, you know, 40 something stones because you want a cash. 40 something stones of great models and you have a great crew. But do you have a thematic crew? Like, you know, is the keyword system really proving its um its viability at that point
1: right uh, i mean i think it also like compounds the issues right i felt like you know looking at the performer keyword it relies very heavily on colette to kind of do you know the heavy lifting for fighting or like rearranging so she can free up all the other models in a keyword to kind of like move around in scheme mm-hmm. but then it, it kind of seems like as a whole her keyword is kind of underpowered or at the very least like there you you, as you're saying there's no reason to run colette with her keyword because you can get better models that are more efficient at everything they do and colette still works great like she's still very much a one man show or one woman show i guess
0: right yeah i mean great crowds are good and good crowds are bad you know cassandra is maybe she's not bad um but she's definitely not great and i would argue she probably hovers below good so why would you pay the 8 stones on her when you can pay the 10 stones for the Arcane Emissary, right? Or you can pay 6 stones for a Mecha Or, you know, the same cost, you know, 8 stones, same cost as her for Steam Arachnid and Swarm. And it's not like a 1 stone tax is necessarily going to change that. But if you're bringing in 2 or 3 versatile models, you know, that's that's an upgrade. Or that might be the difference between, you know, a six or a seven model crew. So I do think that, uh, you know, kind of going back to maybe they should just all pay a tax. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's thinking, well, you know, I can always just pay the one more stone. You are right. In, in an individual case, it's not going to be determinative. But in the aggregate, it, it definitely does add up.
1: I don't think like one change is going to magically fix everything. But it it will help inform decisions, right? Because if... Having to pay this tax, even with paying that extra tax, like no one using Clut is ever using her keyword. I think that's just telling you like her keyword is not in a good place.
0: They do bring the duet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I guess the duet's in a good place. But, you know, it'll inform that decision, right? Because if every time this is the only master that we're seeing that's constantly bringing things out of keyword just to compete with all the other masters, then it shows that there's an issue with the keyword or how it's performing against everyone else, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I would agree. Uh all right. So, uh the next issue we have on uh on the list is that the versatiles are uneven between the factions. Uh right? They they're just they're not they're not internally balanced as a universe, right? As as the universe of versatiles. Hmm. So why is that a problem? Right? Cuz I mean, you know, every every faction has plenty of models. What does it matter if you know one faction's versatiles are better than another's?
1: I guess as a whole, this just kind of comes back to the whole balance thing, right? I mean, it gives, I, I guess it'll also lean it towards heavily meta-wise to play into that faction because all of a sudden, like, all those masters are going to be much stronger because they have access to these kind of overtuned models that they're able to get at cost. It. it I feel like it just kind of exacerbates all the problems that we've kind of mentioned up to this point, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. now with, you know, these factions, it's like all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you're playing ten thunders here's your master now grab all these versatile models because they're just far and ahead better than anything in their class and because you know like at whatever soulstone cost you're looking at or whatever role you're looking to fill if one faction is just like filled with amazing versatiles that are just out competing all their other models you're kind of seeing that super friends thing and then it'll start having an effect on other factions because they're only going to be able to use keywords that are also overtuned in order to compete Mm -hmm. or they're just going to be completely left by the wayside because they have nothing that can match the power that the entire faction has access to if their versatiles are just kind of so far and above um, what everyone else is able to bring to the table
0: right and i think another thing it does is it makes it difficult to to really appreciate what the bounce issues are right so uh shen long um when he was first launched he was just way too good uh, and the changes they did to him, they were effective. Uh, they were effective modifications. But, you know, part of what made Shenlong so strong was that, you know, he had Fuhatsu and he had uh, he had the Shadow Emissary and, you know, he got out of Samurai. And a lot of these changes are made in isolation, right? When they changed Shenlong, they didn't also change the, the monk keyword. So what was happening is Shenlong was performing very well. Uh, and he was very strong, and so they nerfed him. And, and so as a result, Shenlong just doesn't he play nearly as much, right? You can still get all the other models that he got. Uh, quite a nice crew, because the 10 of X is too great versatiles, except for Yasunori, who got you know nerfed into the ground. But, you know, they said, like, okay, well, the problem with Shenlong is that Shenlong is too good. Not that Shenlong has an access to this stable of versatiles. That that just brings so much to um to what he's trying to do. Okay, well, I guess that's you know kind of again more along the lines of uh, great crowds have good, but I I just and, and and we you know we say all this without any sense of that weirds doing a bad job. You know this is this is not an easy game to make and an easy game to fix. And so I, I just you know I, I do I don't want to sound like uh, I'm intensely critical of of weirds developers. I I think on the whole. Uh, they've done a pretty good job it's just it's interesting to me how Shenlong went from like an s tier master i mean I, I know a lot of people don't like talking about tears and malfo but he went from like top of the list to you know kind of just sort of middling which i think is probably where you want everyone to be you probably want everyone to be kind of middling mm-hmm. but yeah uh okay so i guess that does roll kind of naturally into our our next thing which is uh that versatiles may hide issues with models and keywords and factions and i think what we mean by that is that kind of you know going again off the shenlong thing if shenlong is winning a bunch of games um because he's good and because he has a stable of great versatiles it hides the fact that maybe the monk keyword isn't very good right is that is that what we mean by the, by this entry
1: yeah yeah i mean you know we kind of touched on it this we're seeing the same thing kind of happening with colette at this point right she's considered a top tier master but if you're like oh man colette's great Everyone says she's the master I should run. I'll go pick up her entire keyword and run with that. And then you're not seeing any success. It's like, oh, you fool. Like, why would you use her <laughs> keyword models?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I also think it, it it makes it harder for newer players to understand how they're supposed to be playing the game, right? If you pick up Colette uh, and and you kind of do a little bit of online reading, but not too deep to where you have learned about Superfriend, mm. but you know, you're, you're reading like, oh, the performer keyword is kind of schemey, you know. You- you're, you're sort of like trying to do misdirection or trying to avoid direct conflict and trying to meet your goals and make it inefficient for your enemy to to meet your goals, right? And, and you think, okay, well, I mean, that sounds cool. Why am I struggling in-game? Mm-hmm. And it's because, well, your keyword models just aren't really very good. And the other people who are saying Colette is great, they're saying that because they're taking these other models that are overtuned.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, ideally, again, we always, you want things to be kind of balanced to the point, like ideally and everything that is the same cost is going to be about as effective as the other. And hiding these issues with these keywords, it kind of hurts in the long run, right? Because basically now like, all right, Colette's really strong, so we're not going to touch her keyword, but her entire keyword isn't really seeing play. It's a bunch of models that are Basically non-existent. Like, sure they're there, but you're never going to run them because they're just so much less effective than the versatiles. And you can't really call like, oh man, let's buff the performer keyword while Colette's already running around like taking heads everywhere she goes.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was kind of my point. Is that these keywords are clearly induced or introduced with a sense of how they should be played. Now, of course, the developers didn't really. You know, you can't game out ahead of time how people are going to play anything like Malifa, right? Because Malifa is just so complex Mm -hmm. that even the most farsighted developers are never really going to appreciate the depth of the game once it gets into the hands of of the community. And that's a good thing because that's how games grow. Uh, If you had a game that the developers already understood how it was going to work out from day one, that's probably a pretty stale game without uh, very much depth. But the keyword identity, it maybe shouldn't be determinative of how you play, but it should... It should always influence how you're gonna play. And the issue we're seeing, I think, with uh, you know with the Super Friends crews, whether they were in GG Zero with Shenlong or right now, you know, for instance with Colette, is that they undermine that development uh, philosophy. And so it makes it harder, I think, to make proper changes going forward.
1: Yeah, and I think it also just kind of like forces you to be aware of the meta, right? Because if you're like, oh, I'm aware of Colette. You know, she's supposed to be very schemey. She's going to drop scheme markers everywhere. She's going to be very hard to, like, land a solid hit on. But then you go into the game and it's like, oh, no, she's just running into me with, like, two or three bruisers and just killing and massacring my entire crew, right? It's a very different thing that you're, like, we're expected to play against. And the only way to really know that is if, you know, you're keeping very up to date on the meta and just kind of ignoring the actual kind of designer notes on the design behind the crew and the keyword
0: right you, you know when on other podcasts uh you'll often hear people say something like you know the first thing you see something new in Malifaux you're going to get run over uh and they talk about that as a feature right not a bug like you just have to see it and lose a terrible game and then learn what you need to do next time and and, and not that you're always going to lose every time you see anything new and, and and I don't think that the people who say that really really believe it in those stark terms but telling someone that you have to lose to something first is not like a great selling point for a
1: <laughs> <laughs> just sounds like you're not masochistic enough
0: <laughs> and and so what i think the keyword system kind of was supposed to do was to say okay you've never seen mcmorning before but Flipping through his keyword, you know, you can see that, oh, like he, you know, his guys care about poison, he has a way to use poison, and other than that, like, they're mostly these melee beaters. And so you can form a pregame sense of what you're supposed to do against McMorning. Mm -hmm. But that concept only works because of the way Malifaux list building works. That concept only holds true if you're going to see keyword crews, or at least crews that have a greater than not reliance on their keyword. Right. Because otherwise, you know, against super friends lists, it's just knowing what those super friends do.
1: Building off of that, right, there's there's a very big difference, I feel, between not understanding like the extent or how much power is in a keyword versus being completely blindsided by what they're bringing to the table right because mm-hmm. it's like oh you know they're a melee heavy faction like oh I should bring in like you know some way of like slowing them down or making sure they don't get in contact with my guys but when they hit the table it's like oh never mind they have a gun line and they're uh-huh. just gonna shoot me off the board
0: yeah yeah one of my uh, uh friends in in second edition uh, he run a misaki gunline crew and it's actually I I inherited uh, his Misaki models when he when he left the game, and the Torikage weren't even built because he had uh, you know he had Fuhatsu and he had Samurai and and he had a gunline crew and and it's like yeah here's here's my unbuilt keyword models. Of course, there wasn't a keyword system back then, but mm-hmm. models were still thematically tied to each other. And so yeah, I think that really just kind of illustrates what we're talking about. Uh, all right, so the next uh, issue we have is that Versatiles constrain list building. And this kind of goes to the fact that, you know, versatile models or well, great models crowd out good and good crowd out bad. And so if versatile models are those great models, if they are overtuned to the point where they should always be taken, it kind of shrinks the universe of viable crews. I mean, I, I had to say viable because anyone can win with anything in theory anyways, but you know the more auto includes you see in the game or the more models that are kind of considered auto include among you know sort of the knowledgeable meta the less versatility pardon the pun the less versatility we're going to see uh in lists in general right
1: right i guess like for me malifo is in a good place when you have keyword models that are you know kind of like indispensable when you're running that master but when you're looking out of keyword they're probably not worth it because you're not able to build that synergy or you're not able to use them to the full effect, right? Mm-hmm. But then part of that is going to be the fact that you're gonna to have to pay that extra cost for them, right? Like are they really worth is this five stone model really worth six stones not able to actually take advantage of its keyword abilities? Right. Whereas like versatiles, they don't have a keyword ability that's kind of being factored in their cost. They're sitting at eight stones. And then if the keyword ability or the synergy isn't strong enough that it's really even necessary, then you're looking at these versatile models that you don't have to pay a tax for. And they're just going to be outperforming your models because your keyword models are just basically bringing some skills that you don't really need.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, okay, and then, you know, finally, we touched on this earlier, but it's it's harder to answer versatile models. And I think this is mostly... A, an issue for newer players or, you know, maybe players who uh, Malfo isn't their whole life, so they don't consume <laughs> uh, Malfo media and, 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 you know, kind of have a sense of what's considered good and, and, and what you should expect to see on a table uh, when someone declares a master versus, uh, you know, kind of a keyword sense, right? And so this is one of the things that it, it's maybe an experience gap. And there are people who say, well, experience gaps are skill gaps and a good game, the more experienced players should win more often. And that's true. One of the knocks on a game like 40k is that you just, really, you just have to be lucky, right? There aren't that many tactical decisions. If you print out the best the, the best list from the internet and you go and you roll a bunch of sixes, you're going to win the game, no matter what your opponent did and pretty much no matter what you did. So it's not that experience shouldn't matter at all, but because versatiles are this pool of cheaply accessible models, if you are not kind of tuned into uh what's good and what's bad, you have like less of an idea of of what to bring to a game. I think that's what we mean by this, right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean I think even when you become more experienced, like the harder issue is that, you know, the whole pregame thing of where they select their factor, the where they select their faction and where they select their master can become very uneven, right? So if one faction, as mentioned earlier, has a very strong pool of versatile models, Like you're going into this and maybe your master is a bit more constrained. Like you kind of need your keyword models. You need to lean into your synergy a bit more. Well, now the opponent has a lot of options to tech against you, but you can't really go out of your keyword system without breaking everything or, you know, like losing all your strengths or your like versatile keywords or your, sorry, your versatile models don't actually have enough flexibility to allow you to build a functioning crew to replace what you would the synergy that you have from running your master in keyword
0: right right i mean it's interesting for instance that a, you know a model like jack Daw. jack dawg's a good model but he cannot do a super friends list well i say that and people are going to make a super friends list and totally just show me <laughs> up right but but jack Daw is a model that is tied to his keyword with a high degree of, of of synergy there and so even though Daw is pretty powerful and you sometimes see people on online complaining about him at generally not really the the more experienced players, but if you're kind of newer and you got brutalized by him, I could definitely understand why you would think he's overpowered. But when you play against Daw, it, it tells you that, well, he's not going to have a bunch of versatiles, right? And it makes it that much easier to build your list against him than he has against you if you are a crew that doesn't have the same dependency on, on the keyword. Yeah. All right. So I guess, you know, we kind of uh, min-damaged that topic uh let's go on to uh what role should versatiles have in the game start us off colgan
1: they should not exist
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we should just like throw all those models in the garbage can
1: to expand a bit more i just feel like if you have the keyword system then you should kind of stick with it i feel like everything should be in a keyword and if you're taking something out of a keyword, you're paying that tax for it so if you want that extra tech if you're going to need to lean into that a little bit, then you're going to have to pay some kind of cost for going out of it. And I think that's going to help in. We want these crews to be more thematic. We want keywords to be a big part of the game. But then versatiles kind of throw that throw that out the window a little bit. So I think that versatiles should belong to keywords. Like you have the asylum keyword, right? That I don't think <laughs> I've ever seen on the table, but... They're there, and then it also kind of might make it so that, you know, running henchmen crews make a little bit more sense, right? So it's like, okay, there's this really good, like, orphaned keyword that doesn't have a master, but they have some pretty good models, and they have interesting synergy, so if I'm going to bring them in, I'm going to have to run this henchman master so I can actually bring in a complete, like, asylum crew, or whichever keyword you're looking to play as, and then I think it'll help, you know, bring to light the issues of like weaker keywords or masters that are struggling a little bit.
0: Now I do want to say that, and and, and I've heard on other podcasts that uh, weird developers say that they consume pretty much all the malva med- media. Now they very well may not know about us because I mean, you know, <laughs> we're a pretty small outfit. But if if weird developers do listen to this, please, 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 give the asylum models experimental. You know, when they came out in second edition, <laughs> you were able to take them with McMorning because McMorning was guild back then. He's guild reser and now he's not. So he just doesn't have access to them. And thematically, visually, they just very much belong there. And I would do it in at least a game or two just for fun, even though I don't think that they really work all that well together. When you uh, when you say that.
1: Uh... <laughs> Wait, so you're using your like one pleat of weird to ask them to make models So you can play them for like one or two games and then never touch them again because you don't even think they'll work in the keyword you want them to add them to?
0: My one plea? What are you talking about? This entire podcast (laughs) is basically like a plea (laughs) to weird. I'm certainly not doing this to showcase my victorious record in Malifaux because uh, I'd have to acquire a victorious record first.
1: So then once once you slide in their DMs, we can just shut down the podcast.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, maybe uh, if Weird does want to close us down, you know, just give us those asylum uh, in mid morning, and <laughs> I guess uh, we can. <laughs> so when you say they should just not have versatile, would you try to find homes for these orphans? Like, as we said, some versatile models do have keywords, like Hinamatsu, she's already in, uh, well, two keywords, in fact. Um, But like the Yasunori, Yasunori is not in a keyword. Would you try, Mm -hmm. would you make a keyword just for Yasunori or or just for, like, the 10 Thunders Versatiles to sit in? Or would you try to find homes for those models? Uh, Like, oh, well, I think Yasunori belongs in uh, Last Blossom keyword. I'm just throwing out a random one. What would you do there?
1: Uh, I think it would be really context-dependent, right? Because you could definitely do something like how you have Crossroads 7, right? Like, maybe for all the riders, you could have, like, a rider keyword, so if someone wants to run all the writers together, like that's something they could do.
0: Well, only if they had a leader with the writer keyword, because they're all enforcers. Also, that should never, ever, ever, ever happen. If we can change
1: keywords, Jeff, you know, we can make some other changes. It's not like if we change the game, we're gonna limit ourselves in this magical phantasmical world where we actually know what the fuck we're doing as far as game balance goes. Well okay,
0: but I do not want (laughs) to see four writers on the table.
1: Well, I do, so... How about eight emissaries? <laughs> sure. I- I'm down for anything. I just want to see all this jank. I'm just... I mean, really, at this position that I've kind of, like, dug my heels into, <laughs> I have to accept these conditions, necessarily, so... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, like, as options as things you could do, like, I think, you know, you could definitely maybe, like, hey, they make sense in this keyword, you know, like you are saying, asylum should maybe be with experimental... And then these other things that don't necessarily have a keyword, maybe they just have their own keyword that you could expand into later. Or, you know, you have something like Crossroads 7 where you have an option where it's like, oh, we're going to run this henchman master and run this keyword. Like, I think those are all viable options. But I, I guess just the biggest thing is that I think you should always have a tax when you're going out of keyword or else you start seeing, you know, the issue you're saying with like overcrowding or just hiding weak keywords Because the masters are being supplemented by very good versatiles within their faction.
0: Got it. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, I think that would be, you know, maybe a change to consider. Just always having to pay to go out a keyword. Another way, maybe, from development philosophy, right? To uh, have a stronger concept of what role versatile models are serving in the game. Mm. Because currently, I don't really understand what the role of versatile models are. Because you can't say that, oh, they are niche anti-tech or that they are meant to do something that the faction generally just is bad at. Because I actually, you know, when I look at the universe of versatile models, I don't see kind of like a guiding line between like why a model was versatile or not, except for thematics. Like, oh, the emissary doesn't belong in any key... Like, he, he belongs to the entire faction, so we're just going to make him versatile. Right. So what are some kind of like clear clear roles that versatiles could play in the game
1: well one of the things you mentioned i guess this isn't exactly answering your question but the fact that like the faction identities i think weird has done such a good job with like creating very unique playstyles for each master the idea of having like a catch-all category in each faction to like oh this is what we're going to have so that you know, masters in this faction don't struggle against this one thing is a very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but that is kind of one of the routes you could go because, like, I think generally, I think you'd mentioned this earlier in the pre-show that, like, Bayou, in general, struggles against armor. So maybe their versatiles would be something that has, like, anti-armor tech. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, if we were going to go that route, you'd probably want them costed maybe a little bit higher than keyword things. <laughs> I guess I'd still be <laughs> pulling for the of keyword stuff. But, like you would want them to have a very specific purpose within the keyword or to like answer issues that they have mm-hmm. or you know like you know known weaknesses for the faction
0: right, yeah, no, i mean i, I would agree with that uh so anti you know, like anti x tech is one role the versatiles could have served, right the you know the anti armor for the bayou the you know some some root making sure everyone has at least some access to some rootless or uh, you know, mm-hmm. we had that episode about summoning, right? So maybe giving people anti-summoning tech doesn't all have to be exorcism. Could be other stuff, but basically mm-hmm. just having, and not maybe a a ton of these options, or maybe not every faction has all of these options, but just giving a pool of anti-X tech models. Right, is one possible one possible way i think to maybe philosophically think about what models should be versatile or what versatiles should do
1: yeah i mean I, I i do feel like the biggest issue is that yeah we're not quite sure what role versatiles are meant to play because you know there's factions that don't have any way of really getting ruthless on demand or no way to easily remove markers mm-hmm. so like you know i think like neverborn will just really struggle against some masters like Rasputina just because they don't have access to easy um, marker removal, like some things like, you know, like there's Mad Dog from the Outcast who has like blow to hell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So then they can struggle a bit more because they just don't have that. And even in the versatile bag, they don't have anything to help them out with that. Right. But like one potential issue I could see, like I could see us like kind of just exacerbating the issue and making it worse because now suddenly everyone has access to everything. So now we've just expanded the versatile problem to the point where it's like, oh, you're playing against Rasputina. then you take your anti-marker versatile and no matter which faction you are. So it's like, now you have like a versatile, an anti-master versatile like pairing for every master you're playing against.
0: Right, and this really illustrates, I think, the challenge that Weird faces, right? Because, I mean, we've probably said it on this podcast and if we haven't, I'm sure I'll say it at some point, that auto-take models are a sign of... of Poor design, or at least suboptimal design, right? If a model is is an auto include, it's probably too good. But at the same time, you know, we're saying, well, versatile should have uh, should be available as answers, and that's going to make them, you know, kind of auto include in the situations where they are the answer. And I don't think there's a way to square that circle.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a very difficult thing to do because you're saying, all right, this is going to be our anti-summoner tech, and then it's like, oh, they're a summoner. I should bring the anti-summoning model, and if it's in a case where it's like well they're not good enough to even bring into the situation in which they're designed for then that's just a dead model
0: right yeah so i i I freely admit this is this is not an easy an easy process and weird has has on the whole done a good job but i think my knock against versatiles that really kind of goes to the heart of the matter right like uh when you're writing and, and you're getting feedback the expression is like try to figure out what the note is behind the note, right? Sometimes you get feedback that you think is stupid or that makes no sense, but it's not necessarily about addressing someone's specific feedback. It's about trying to figure out like what their underlying issue was that made them say the specific thing they said. And for mm-hmm. me, the underlying issue that I have currently with the versatile models that exist is that I do not feel like a strong sense of design or philosophy in why the models that are versatile are versatile, except for, as I mentioned, you know the few thematic options
1: right but then you know we also see that there are we have some orphaned models that are part of a keyword and there's nothing really else in that keyword but then they're also versatile so that anyone can hire them and the question is well why are they versatile and that keyword instead of just being like an orphaned asylum model
0: right right are there gonna be more asylum models
1: i i mean like yeah i i, I don't know like personally i i would just like to see more cool things like Crossroads seven just having those more options that you can kind of play this where that doesn't really have a master so you can snowflake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so another, I guess, design philosophy that could have guided versatile models might be to have them do things that are uh, like truly unique in the game. Uh, and there are some of these, right? Like the riders, their bonus action, the, all of their revel abilities, those tend to be unique. Even like the moonlit charge that the um, hooded rider has. I mean, that's just a bunch of charge attacks. But that, you know, that effect is kind of the quote-unquote most basic of any of the writers, and it's still pretty distinctive and pretty neat. And then you go on the other scales with like the mechanical writer who just reactivates a model, another model, anywhere on the board, right? I mean, that's an ability you don't really see. So I think what Weird could have done, and maybe might consider in the future, is using versatile as an opportunity to make just kind of like a wacky model. And maybe it's not good, but... It's like you wouldn't want to saddle a keyword with a model that might do nothing. But for a versatile model, you might just kind of throw the ball up and see where it lands.
1: So thinking kind of like goblins and like fanatics and stuff like that, but it could be really good or it could be really bad, but it kind of gives you an option to play around with like, I guess some very specific actions or very unique abilities.
0: Oh, you mean like GW goblins? Yeah, 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 the yeah. Something like that. I mean, just something that's gonna be pretty outside the box. You know, Magic. I think has a lot of these cards, right? Of course, it's pretty hard to compare cards with models because the card pool is just gonna be so much larger than than the model pool can ever hope to be. But I think with Versatiles, since they're not tied to a keyword, you really do have the opportunity to be more creative in in what they do. Mm-hmm. And I think if Weird has a, had as a goal, oh well. We should give these. You know, we should make all these personal models distinctive. That might help avoid making a bunch of models that are just kind of like overtuned beaters that crowd out other models.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could even tie like these unique things that they do to the faction identity, right? Like Arcanists are supposed to be good at drawing cards. <laughs> I like think they draw more cards or
1: have like a card shuffling robot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you would kind of want to figure out what you wanted to say about each faction, maybe in a sense mm-hmm. that's um, The clearest thing that joins Masters within a faction to me are aesthetics, right? I, I don't think that there's like a lot of thematic or mechanical elements that carry from keyword to keyword within a faction. Mm-hmm. So versatiles could have been a way to kind of illustrate factional identity in model form.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess a way you could do it is also kind of give the idea of how it functions, right? So maybe like guild guard are just like versatile models freely. Wait, they're not versatile, are they? But <laughs> they're like freely available to all guild people because they're part of the guild and they can kind of requisition these guys to do whatever they want.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, All right, so I think another another way maybe to look at versatile is as a template for improving models that are currently bad in the game. Right, so one of the things about Versal is that any mo- any keyword has access to it at its base cost mm-hmm. but there's a lot of m- keyword models that are subpar but cheaper than you know maybe some Versal. so one example that I, I, I like to use on and I've used it a couple of couple times on the forums everyone who listens to this podcast even casually knows that I think the mole men are terrible I think they're probably uh, the worst model in the game I can't really ever see a reason why you would bring them other than to troll someone, right? Like, to try to win with the Mole Men. But one of the ways Weird could improve these models, and they tend to be either lower-cost models or really high-cost models. The, the mid-range models, for whatever reason, don't seem to have this specific problem. But one way to improve them would be to make them do what another model does, but they're cheaper. So they're the better pick for this keyword. So, like, if the Mole Men had the ability to dig up a Soul Stone and gain Stunned, they would, you know instantly become a viable choice for Marcus over a Soulstone miner. Mm-hmm. And they really wouldn't be something that I think you would want to take out of keyword because that would cost five. So a Soulstone Miner would just be one stone more, but a Soulstone miner is clearly better than a Mole Man. And and so I you know this might sound like a really specific example, but I actually think if you looked at the versatile models and looked at what they were trying to do and look at the models that currently are just really problematic mm-hmm. and you you try to you try to move them in that direction or give them one of those capabilities that uh, they currently lack but the versatile model has and 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 that's why they're attractive. The reason why this idea appeals to me is because the versatile mechanics already exist in the game. And so there's already a pretty good sense of what you know, whether they're good or not and and how much, you know, how much they should cost in, in terms of like development points for a model. So I really think that if we're made models the like bad models better by giving them clearer roles mm-hmm. and using some of the stronger versatile models as templates for that. That could be a way for versatile to improve the game. Now, that doesn't really fix the versatile issue necessarily, but it is, I think, a way for versatile to contribute to Malifo.
1: For some reason, when you started that, I went in like the exact opposite direction. I was thinking, like let's just make versatiles like knockoff versions of like the good <laughs> models and other keywords. And I was thinking of like Robo Sonic and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just gonna you know like we'll just we'll just swap the the stat cards for Moleman and soulstone miner so it's like if you if you don't want to pay for Moleman then you can get the knockoff mechanical mole Men. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it would be funny just to see people say oh soulstone miner is the worst model in the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know and I, i've said this twice already but i just want to draw a line under it we're not criticizing weird you know versatile they don't break the game but I, I do think that we are starting to see uh, some of these issues crop up, you know, in high-level play. And it's not so much that, oh, like, there are super friends lists. Uh, there's always going to be overtuned models. I think the, the major issue that we have with Versals at the moment is that they really undermine the keyword system in a way that, like, the fact that they, they come free really just exacerbates this, uh, this issue of identifying the most efficient models.
1: Yeah, we're, we're just kind of like pointing out things that we have seen like that could be problematic. But it's not to say that like, oh, we know exactly how to fix this. It's just things we've noticed. And I, I think someone said it, but like players are really good at identifying issues, but they're really bad at fixing them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's kind of where we are right now. It's like we see this and it's something that we don't necessarily like or we can see it going in a bad direction. And we're just kind of throwing out things that we think might help, but like, who knows? Right. Like there might be a much more elegant solution that we're not seeing. All
0: right. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, in the the last section we really wanted to move into was to kind of talk about some versatile models that we think work or or that we like or that we like as maybe design templates and then maybe some that we don't. So I just start out with the ones we like. I like the effigies and the emissaries quite a bit. You know, they're all they're all interesting models. They all have their own kind of aesthetic, but it still ties to the faction's aesthetic, so I think thematically they work really well, which isn't always true of the Versatiles. And then for the emissaries in particular, they're all, they're, they're 10 stones, so they're high cost, but they're all quality models that all can fit into any keyword pretty well, so they you're getting good value from them. But I don't feel, like outside of maybe a couple of corner cases, I don't feel that they're in the auto-take category
1: yeah yeah um
0: <laughs> that's it that's it like i i love these things are emissaries like yeah yeah like so do, do you not i mean do you just dis- do you not think the emissaries like good models for for the versatile system
1: i i mean i i guess it's just difficult for me because i'm still very solidly in the idea that versatiles shouldn't exist in <laughs> and of itself but i i guess like the biggest thing is that i think the same thing you're mentioning that i'm kind of struggling with is I feel like at this point we're trying to justify a purpose for the versatile or find the purpose of versatiles in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think effigies and emissaries, I like, I like them as models. I like how they play and I like that you can hire them to every faction, but it's like, I don't feel like it being a versatile is necessarily a feature. Right? Uh-huh. If they weren't versatile and you know, with the tax and everything they're costed where they were like, would I like them more or would I like them less? And like, I, I don't think so. But I I guess, like, of the versatile models, like, I do agree with you, like, lore-wise, how the effigies and emissaries exist, I think it does make sense for them to be versatile.
0: What about, like, do you agree with me that thematically Weird has done a good job of making them evoke the sense of the faction to which they belong?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I feel like that, I think as we go into the versatile models that we have issues with, I think the... Consistent theme is that they're just kind of overperforming for what they are. So they just kind of, you know, they're saying they just crowd out everything else. So then the first time models that we like are the ones that have a very specific purpose and like, all right, if I need to like help kind of shore up this weakness in my crew, I'm going to put this, I'm going to hire in, you know, this effigy or this emissary. But it's not like every time. You're running this master. It's like 100. You're taking this emissary. 100. You're taking this effigy.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, the next model I want to talk about is Hans. Now, a lot of people on the internet don't like Hans because he's not a great model, right? There, there may be better eight stone models, or he may not be kind of the most efficient option, and all those things may be true. But the reason why I like Hans is first, you know he he brings he brings some of the uh, like the anti tech that we mentioned earlier like right like he has ruthless which is uh always useful if you're going to be fighting a lot of terrifying or manipulative and it comes you know in a not overwhelming package right he has ruthless but he himself is not a model that's going to be just blowing things off the table uh his damage track is pretty modest which again a lot of people do criticize but you know i see hans as an answer to specific problems and i think that is a good Developmental philosophy, like philosophical area for versatiles to sit in, like for the for the battle report we did with Vic and uh, Raspy, I said I brought Hans. The reason I brought Hans is because I wanted him to slow and stun your ice golem, right? Mm. And Hans is eight stones, the ice golem is ten stones. So if I'm eliminating, you know, if I'm reducing the the ice golem to one action a turn because he's slow and stunned. That I think is a fine use for my eight stone Hans model, and and so the fact that I bought him because you brought the ice golem, like to me, that's that's what I want versatile to be. I I brought him in the game for a very clear, very specific goal that my keyword was not going to be able to deliver.
1: And then I didn't bring the ice golem. You didn't bring
0: and 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 I said, you know, you put that crescent. Forest, like the dominated the middle of the board.
1: Yeah, I just snuck it on there while we, you know, we were sitting around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I Hans was just not the right model for that terrain set, uh which you know is another indication that he is a model that works under specific circumstances. And mm. if you don't, if you don't recognize those circumstances correctly, you're not going to get value from him. And that, to me, is what sounds like a versatile model should be. I mean, really, that's probably what all models should be. But if you're saying, well, versatile is, you're kind of meant to be the missing tools in your toolbox, then it should definitely be even more true of them.
1: Uh, yeah, the- yeah. Uh-huh. I was just going to agree again so then you can go on. <laughs> right, right.
0: I guess I I just didn't really think I needed to, like, wait to see what you were going to say because, uh, like, why would you, why wouldn't you agree with me? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> uh so i think the lone swordsman is kind of in a similar mold for me the lone swordsman he's a model i quite like i actually i don't bring him that often just because in 10 thunders he gets crowded out by better versatiles like fuhatsu like minakure i, I mean she, she's not doing the same thing as the lone swordsman but i think she's just a better model uh the shadow emissary but the lone swordsman he's a model that i like quite a bit because he, he does have the ruthless What is interesting about him is that because he has adaptive and he has a trigger on every every suit for his sword, he can operate even in an environment where the rest of your models are really dependent on keyword synergy. And if we are saying that we think as just a design goal, weird should be tying things more closely to the keyword system, then the corollary for that should be that versatiles should be effective on their own. And I think the Lord, Swords, the Lord Swordsman is a good example of that.
1: Were you waiting for me to agree with you again?
0: I was. I, I was being polite <laughs> about it this time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I also agree. Um, I, I do like how you bring it up that the idea that the versatile should have something to kind of make them work a little bit more independently since they're basically being thrown in with all these like buddy-buddy keyword models. So it does make sense for like things that, you know, like to have adaptive to make them run a little bit more efficiently, considering they can't actually kind of strengthen your existing keyword. But I think, again, that just kind of highlights the issue where in keywords where that synergy isn't really required, you're going to be looking at versatile models because they're going to be running more efficiently than your actual keyword models at that point.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I, the, you know, the last one we have on our list, and I mean, if you come up with any, uh, any more, I mean, uh, you know, it's not like we have to stop because the list ran out. <laughs> but the last <laughs> one on our, on our pregame list was the Crossroads Seven. I mean, I love the Crossroads Seven. I, I, could talk about them uh, all day. But uh, you know, I think you were actually maybe the one who added this. What would you say about the Crossroads Seven? Why is it in this uh, category that we love them?
1: for the reasons you mentioned they kind of have a very unique position um you would bring them against like very specific things like i've been playing 10 thunders lately and i'm like keep looking for a reason to bring lust but it's like so insanely specific the situation i'd bring her in because what she only gives out sin tokens when an enemy model draws a card
0: uh well yeah other than her you know sin spiral trigger which isn't really easy to get
1: right so then she has a very specific purpose you know it's like i'm going to only bring her in against crews that have a lot of models that are like constantly drawing cards but it's nice that as i mentioned earlier they have their own like kind of keywords you can run Crossroads seven as their own crew and then all their synergies start stacking up and you can get some really interesting play Or I guess just get completely destroyed in an online vassal tournament with. (laughs) But (laughs) it's just, you know, for the things you have, they have very specific purpose. They're not, and I think they're very powerful in that role, but it's not necessarily something that's going to come up or going to have such a strong effect on the game that they're necessarily going to be the one thing that, you know, like single-handedly wins you a game. But they have a very strong design philosophy. They have a very cool thematic and yeah it's nice that every faction well i guess except for the explorer society kind of has their own flavor of that that they can kind of bring to bear in it i feel like it kind of adds a little to i guess the faction identity even if it's kind of inadvertent in that they have a model that's able to turn off a very specific ability
0: yeah i the Crossroads seven are actually a good example of uh you know what i talking about earlier where one design philosophy for versatile models could have just been models with weird abilities. Like, not necessarily... You know, we don't know if these are good or not, but they're just kind of odd. Mm-hmm. If you look at... you know, The crossroads, 7, I mean, they very much fit the bill. Like, each of them, as you said, they're they're kind of shutting down or at least complicating a facet of the game, right? Like, Sloth spreads out the tokens for healing and, you know, pride for uh, cheating and, and so on and so forth. But then when you look at the back of the card, too their actions are also uh, unique, right? They, they're they doing different things. Like Greed, Greed is a pretty niche model. You would not want to bring Greed uh, very often. But if you're Guild and you're going to be playing against Colette's Super Friends, Greed becomes a, a fantastic choice. Uh, and it's because of like the weird stuff that she does against Soulstone uni- users and against models that have upgrades. So, I think the Crossroads 7, even if... Uh, Uh, You do lose some online tournament games with them are interesting because uh, there's different ways to play them. You can play them together as a crew uh, and that, and that really appeals to people who like cross-factional stuff. Um, You know, the five color magic players and and whatever else. And we may be a minority, but we are out there.
1: Literally dozens of us.
0: (laughs) I just think that the Crossroads 7 are kind of an excellent format for how I would have liked to have seen versatile design in general.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool that it has a very strong theme, even though it's not very direct. You know, it's like they're a band. They all have their own instruments. And it's kind of cool to see out all on the table. And I feel like because they have that strong thematic thing, it probably made it a little bit easier to design them. And even if they kind of miss the mark as far as power level, they're just still great models to see.
0: I mean, I think for the most part, the because they're, they're only seven stones. So I think on an individual basis, they are balanced models. Uh, yeah. and i think they have clear uses i you know i bring wrath with every pandora crew i play i bring sloth into you know a number of rezzer crews that i play just because you know a 10 inch heel with no test is really good now of course he does hand out slow um which is a bit of a problem it's a problem he could probably fix because he can give fast to friendly undead so i think that and, and some of them may be more niche like i said greed is pretty niche you probably wouldn't want to bring it that often but in the circumstances where you do want to bring her, uh, she's probably pretty effective. Gluttony is another one of those models where you don't want to bring him every game, but there's gonna be pools where Gluttony's gonna be worth his weight in gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's quite a lot because Gluttony's a pretty beefy boy. As a crew together, are they you know, are 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 they competitive or are, are, are they are they really balanced together as a crew? You know, in, in that case, you know, no, not really. And part of that is uh just kind of the, the difficulty henchmen have, um, and then part of that's just the fact that even though they they do have a good amount of synergy, in some strange ways they're actually like they're not as synergistic as they really could be. So sloth is a perfect example. Sloth's mm-hmm. heal gives out slow, and he has an attack which gives out slow, but friendly undead can instead get fast. How much harder would it have been to say friendly undead or crossroad models could get fast? Right. And then that would have been a way to increase the synergy between them. I mean, that's not instantly going to make them a super competitive crew. It's just one of the things I thought of during the games I was playing.
1: It's kind of weird that it's only undead. It's like, fuck you, Crossroads 7. Like I hate this band.
0: <laughs> Part of it is that unlike in second edition where each action, even if it did the exact same thing, was unique. Um, and so you might have to know the specific rules for each specific action. They might Mm -hmm. like vary in very slight ways or something, and that was kind of annoying. In third, they made the smart choice of just saying, okay, well, every trigger with the same name is going to work in pretty much the same way. And uh, His action that gives slow but fast to friendly undead, that's an action that other models have.
1: Oh, okay. okay. So that's
0: why they didn't change it. But they could have just given him a a different action, right, and changed that one. And I know that kind of goes back to the thing I just criticized a second ago. But in this one specific niche case i think it's okay um or they could have given him a trigger to give a crossword 7 model fast uh and built and built that suit in uh all right so uh those are some versatile models we like what is a versatile model that maybe we don't like
1: riders it feels like they kind of like overperform a little bit and you're taking these models over your keyword models just because they're so much more efficient at what they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like the rider models, like this is one of the issues in, I guess the clutch super friends list. Being able to basically give you another activation on any model you want is insanely powerful.
0: As long as it's not a master.
1: As long as it's not a master. I guess this kind of goes into, you know, having that kind of like unique power capability that something for a versatile could be good at. Or might be kind of cool to see within versatiles but i think the issue with the riders i, I guess honestly probably the main issue is that they're just very good for their cost so then mm-hmm. they give you so much mobility come turn three they have pretty much like game changing abilities on all of them mm-hmm. and like the only one we don't see as much i guess is probably the hooded rider and that's because his game changing ability is not that good yeah, it's or a, I just like not as strong.
0: It's not like an auto win or it's not as it's not as game changing or something, but it, it's still, you know, quite effective. And I, I would agree with you that, I mean, the writers cost 11 stones, so they are not cheap models. And yet they are still probably under costed. Mm-hmm. They're also just generally and universally good, which is probably why they crowd out so many models. Those those five suit triggers on on their bonus action. It is, you know, they, they do tend to be a capability that other other models don't really have in the game. So from like the standpoint of, oh, well, I thought you said versatile should like have a strong identity and be doing a specific thing that maybe doesn't exist in the game. Okay, that is true. But the problem is the verse, the hooded the Riders are universally applicable, which is what makes them very strong. And you can contrast that made with the Crossroads 7, who also have unique abilities, but they are not just like universally A-list models on their own who then also have like kind of cool fringe abilities. The writers are all, they're very strong and their abilities, they're not fringe at all. They're just incredibly good.
1: So another versatile model that we kind of have an issue with is the midnight stalker. And it's kind of for the same reasons. So if you're playing into Outcast, like if you're looking for a schemer, the midnight stalker is so good at scheming that you're kind of overlooking most things that you're going to have in keyword because what he has leap built in, which means he can ignore all this terrain when he goes, onto the enemy half of the board, which is where you want all your schemers to be anyway. Suddenly he's fast. So he has three AP and with leap effectively four AP a turn. So like move, reposition, anywhere he needs to be on the board, uh, drop scheme markers. And if you kill him, you can discard a card and you come back to life. And if you put an upgrade on him, like he's hard to kill on top of that. So he's like very difficult to kill. He has an insane amount of mobility and AP available to him. To, like, be where he needs to be and do what he needs to do. And it's just to the point where it's like, why would you be looking at other scheme runners?
0: Well, he's not actually, uh, he doesn't actually have Leap built in. Um, he doesn't have the suit. Mm. But he does have showboating. So when you cheat for that low mask, you get to draw a card with him. And no, I, mean, I agree, the Midnight Soccer is part of, I think he does a good job of illustrating the versatile issue. But he does a universally applicable thing scheme running, or in some cases denial, but because, as you said, you usually want him the other half of the board. And he does all the things that you want a scheme runner to do. He has high mobility, he's survivable, and at 8 stones, you know, he's he's maybe a bit more expensive than you would want for a dedicated scheme runner, but he's well worth his cost. And so he just is going to crowd out other scheme running options because he himself is at the top of the curve. Mm-hmm. And, and there's nothing... There's nothing like niche about him that makes him say that, oh, the Midnight Stalker is the right scheme runner in this pool, but not in this pool. No, he's just he's always the right choice if you need a scheme runner. Uh what's another model that is on our hate list? Or at least your hate list, right? Because I mean we don't necessarily have the same uh the same hate models.
1: Yeah, I I mean I, I feel like you should take this one too, because basically whenever first tiles come up or ten thunders come up you always have to go on your little rant about fuhatsu so how, how about you take this
0: one fuhatsu is very much on my list he's just a phenomenal model he's you know he's ruthless he's got his uh uh his his plus flip on his gun so things that you try to do if you're let's say you're a terrifying crew um like jackdaw right and part of the, you know I, i'm terrified of <laughs> i'm scared of when you actually pick up fuhatsu <laughs> yeah you know, i'm just gonna stop playing doll against you Because if you're playing someone who has ruthless, and you know that Dawes crew is relying on terrifying to survive, you can say things like, okay, well, you know what, you're ruthless, I'm going to try to use this forest to give you minus flip. But Fuhatsu has a built-in plus flip, so he's ignoring And And so when you give that to a ruthless model, you're really shrinking the range of counterplay that someone has against you. And... If Fuhatsu were supposed to be an answer piece, if, if the theory was, let's give Fuhatsu Ruthless because 10th Thunders need a way to deal with terrifying, that's fine. But then the person who's playing the defenses that have just been negated by Ruthless, they also need answer mechanic, And Fuhatsu just takes away a lot of those. You know, he's got his keywordless scatter. He's, he's you know, other than the fact that you don't really want him walking, he's a really great choice for positional schemes because he can push people out of the way. He has laugh it off, so he can't be lured off of stuff. He's survivable because he has a built-in heal. And he's he's nine stones. That's not really... You know, that's getting into the expensive model range, but he's very much worth it. And so I just think that he is... Uh, he is a model that you are never wrong to pick. And I don't think that that's good for versatiles. All right, what about you?
1: I haven't played against him too much, but like Mecharachnid... In the times that I have played against him, has been kind of an issue. And like one of the things that always struck me as kind of odd is that the only other model that has the ability for precise is McMorning. So in a sense, he has like you have a master level ability sitting on this six stone unimpeded model with like armor two five health, and like at only six stones, you can slot him in, and it's just able to ignore defenses on so many models and the kind of tech you need to bring in or the way that you have to tech against him is almost always going to be at a higher cost than what you can bring in the mecharachnid for and the fact that he's versatile goes into the problem with being able to blindside people right because if i'm fighting against a crew that you know doesn't usually have armor or isn't very tanky and then all of a sudden they have like a couple mecharachnids like oh well I didn't bring anything for armor so I guess it's going to take me 5 activations to burn through these things.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I, I agree with you. It's uh their bonus action also makes them severely overperform uh, for their cost.
1: Right, yeah, just being able to like take a piece of scrap or a scheme marker on the board and then just get plus flips on their attacks because the, at that point, you know, they have a free AP to to deny schemes to the opponent and actively gain a benefit from that.
0: hmm Uh yeah. So Vasilisa would be an example of a model that I don't like. And I think she just she just does too much and she does it too efficiently. You know, her her thematics are are pretty good. So I it's not like I don't want her to exist. But I just I think you, you know in Malfa, especially if you're playing against stronger players, I feel like being able to drag down their efficiency Uh, the opposing model sufficiencies is is a good way to attack them and and so Vasilisa does bring that capability but i just i think she does it too easily and too effectively she's also a summoner and i don't like summoners just as a rule because i think summoning is overtuned and i don't want to see her making more stitch together
1: I I don't know. It's absolutely insane to me that Vasilisa just has like a global buff to puppets to just like hand out staggered without any test. It's like, oh, you existed in this area. And it it just seems like if you're actually running a puppet crew, like that's such an insanely powerful ability to have linked to a model.
0: Yeah. In our Claudia episode, you know, we said that puppet is one of those few henchman led crews that actually does work on on maybe, you know, the level of a master-led crew. And Vasilisa is no small part of that, just because of the ability that she's giving to all your models. Generally, I think anything that always works uh, with no test reduces the amount of counterplay that exists in the game. And I think that that is a bad trend for Malifaux to go down. All right, and I guess the last model we want to hit uh, on the hate is the Soulstone Miner. Soulstone Miner, I think the issue with a model like the Soulstone Miner is that Weird has a clear idea of thematically what they want this model to do. But putting that theme into a model is problematic. There's no way you're going to make a model like the Soulstone Miner expensive because you know it's just supposed to be kind of like this cheap underground drilling thing. If, if Soulstone Miners were expensive... Uh, they just they wouldn't be worth it. So souls of miners just by their design they're gonna be a, a a cheap or moderate cost model and and they're at six stones so they're 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 pretty cheap. But it's 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 just they are nev- they're another one of those models that's never a bad choice. They give you stones. They're giving you another activation. They're a safe harbor for magical training because you can you can I and mean, if you want to you can make it virtually impossible for the enemy to to kill it unless they have anti bury tech. And even though they did get nerfed, they're, they're still good schemers. They're not as good, obviously, as they were. But when people take them, they're often used to do the breakthrough or sabotage or spread them out. Anytime you want a lot of fast movement and you maybe want scheme markers across the table, they're they're a great option.
1: Yeah, I mean, having a model that can appear anywhere on the board is... Generally pretty good.
0: Well, not quite anywhere. I think it's like six inches from the enemy deployment zone, but I mean that's Uh,
1: that's that's not much of a
0: restriction. (laughs) (laughs) In flank, it means a little bit more than the others, but yeah, even in flank you're gonna find plenty of good places to put them. Right. And and they actually you know, they're useful in their own right. You know, their ability to blow up a whole bunch of destructible terrain make them a really great pick against you know, like Raspy or Euripides, and they're the kind of model that didn't really need value add abilities. Mm-hmm. Just their kit is already so good that to make them answers also is is problematic because you're never wrong to take a soulstone minor, even though we're not saying always take a soulstone minor, right? Because I mean you can make a crew and not have a soulstone minor and still win the game, surprisingly enough but when they are models that you're always going to get good value from and then against certain masters there's an incentive to take them that again is kind of a problem with me to me with uh, uh the versatile system
1: yeah you're basically just getting better models at cost
0: uh-huh all right uh well so i think we should wrap up by saying you know versatile is an interesting concept uh people say versatile didn't exist in second and technically that's true But there was something kind of like it in 2nd edition, so it's not like, you know, you were ever playing pure keyword. And I do think that trying to emphasize the keyword system is also problematic. There's no easy answer for these. But in my opinion, currently, the versatiles are starting to become enough of an issue with the game that I would like Weird to take another look at them.
1: Wait, in 2nd edition, wasn't pretty much
0: everything versatile? Well, so, kind of, but also there was this mercenary keyword, or, well, they weren't a keyword, but there's this mercenary ability, which could also let you grab things out of faction if it shared, I don't remember what they called it, like a trait or something. Okay. So, like, for instance, when I played Colette, I could bring the uh, the Kunoichi. they were called the Oiren back then, because they were also mm-hmm. showgirls, and Oiren had an ability to increase your willpower and that was really useful in the second edition meta because Rotten Bells had a stat 8 lure that was just super strong. Now, of course, it was never really worth it to do it in any ways because, you know, you always just wanted to take your your super friends. But if you wanted to try to play a more thematic Colette list, which I did try to do. I see. All right, well, so I, that was my summation. Do you have any kind of wrap-up thought about versatiles?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just repeating, but I feel like you know, they wanted to make keyword a bigger thing to kind of help new players get into the game and also to have some kind of incentive for people to actually play like thematic crews and enforce synergy. But I feel like Versatiles are kind of working against that idea. The fact that you have these models that can be hired into any keyword with no penalties at all is just kind of saying like, all right, well, we want everyone to play in keyword and play on theme and if they want to go against that, they're going to have to pay more except for all of these guys. And part of the issue is just that we're not really sure what the design philosophy or the requirements for being a versatile model are, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have some versatile models that we feel like are in a decent spot in that they're very specific in what they do. And they're good at that, but they're not necessarily ever going to be overpowering in a game, whereas you have other versatiles that are, you know, they're at the top of the curve for the role in the game to the point where it's, you have to convince yourself not to take them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, you know, be like you and just don't buy versatile models. I guess like
1: at what point do you stop being a new player? (laughs) (laughs)
0: I I think at the point where you abuse people with Kaladi, you can no longer sit behind a new player defense.
1: I, I was still in keyword,
0: though. <laughs> All right, well, so as you can tell, we have opinions about Versatile. Like most opinions, they are kind of scattershot, and some of them aren't really well-formed. But the underlying note, the note behind the note from both of us, I think, is just that we are... Uh, we do not have a great sense of what WEIRD wanted out of Versinals, and we think that for a program like Versal to exist, the design philosophy behind uh, the concept of Versatile should have been really clear based on what the models do. That's going to do it for us for tonight. If you've stuck around so far, thank you very much. You know, We play down here in Southern California, but that's just one part of the Malifaux community, and we would like to be part of the wider discussion. It's why we're doing this podcast, or at least in part. So if you have any thoughts about how we're doing, Please let us know. We love receiving feedback. Thank you very much to everyone who has sent a message. And we, we have a Facebook. We have a Discord. We, you can leave us voicemails on our Anchor site, which a couple of people have done. We're on Reddit. You know We have a website. However you want to reach out to us, we would just love to hear uh, You know what you think about our show, what you think we're doing well, what we could do better, some other stuff you'd like us to cover, you, you know, whether or not Colgan should really just get a button that plays, Yes, Jeff, You're Right?, um <laughs> you know just let us know we also have a paypal on the patreon so if you'd like to support the channel in that way that would be appreciated and um you know a shout out for our patreon backers and you know anyone who's supported the channel in that way or in any way uh whether it's through feedback or even just listening to the channel or listening to the episodes thank you very much and uh with that that'll do it for me so i'll just say good night everyone
1: yep night everyone